0: It is time for midday. It's 1130 at KRBN on this warm Friday. It's June 4th. Tyler Caballi along with you. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Loaded show to end the week coming up for you. Jason Jorgensen is in sports. Of course, Ryan Bowl coming up. We'll talk more about that. And Husker baseball starting postseason play coming up later tonight. Bob Rogan is in. He'll tell us how stocks are performing to end the week. And then, of course, coming up in about 15 minutes or so, we'll hear more about our upcoming weekend weather and uh, the warming temperatures that are here to stay at least for a couple of days with Paul Perkins in regional ag weather. But let's head to Lincoln where Susan Littlefield is. And Susan, how is your morning going so far?
1: It is going great. It's just beautiful weather. And I think the corn... Went from that yellowish color we talked about yesterday Mm -hmm. to a little bit nicer green today.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's going to continue that way. Like you said, hey, somebody's just going to sit outside and watch the corn grow. Humidity is going to be high, too, so perfect for that.
1: You know, I'm hoping that we have a listener out there who's going to set up a a GoPro camera or something, and he'll record that Mm -hmm. and then fast speed it.
0: Mm -hmm. And and send it to us. Yeah. If you do do that, so we'll definitely share that. Well, what do you have coming up for us on Midday?
1: Well, we'll kick it all off here coming up at 1219. Chad Moyer, it's a Friday, which means we're talking weather, and he'll talk with Al Dutcher. Warmer and drier in the forecast, just so folks know that's headed our way as no surprise. Then coming up here at 1245, we'll be hearing from Dave, as Dave will be talking with Governor Pete Ricketts, He has been holding these 30 by 30 meetings throughout the state of Nebraska, so we'll get more details about that. And then it's our FNBO Fridays in the Field. This week we throw it to Alex, and Alex is going to be learning more about a produce operation in the eastern part of Nebraska. They grow, sell, and harvest produce 12 months out of the year. So that's coming up at 117.
0: Okay, that'll be an interesting story there. 12 months out of the year here in Nebraska, something that doesn't happen too often.
1: Exactly, something different
0: Alright, very good, well you have a good weekend
1: You as well, thanks
0: Alright, that's Susan Littlefield, let's turn things over to Jason Jorgensen in sports And Nebraska baseball starts postseason
2: play tonight They do, against Northeastern, Cade Povich gets the start for the Huskers That Huskers starting pitching staff has been one of their strengths We'll see how they pitch this weekend out in Fayetteville uh, Game time, little after 7, we'll bring it to you tonight on 880 KRV. And some folks have wondered where they can see it ESPN 3, that's not an actual channel. You either have to go and watch it on your laptop, or if you have the ESPN app, then you can send that from your phone to your TV.
0: There's many ways around it, or just listen to KRV. That's that's right. Very simple. Uh, By the way, and you probably already know this, uh, and I didn't know this until yesterday, Northeastern's head coach, Mike Glavin, is the brother of Tom Glavin. Which I did not know until yesterday. No, right? I didn't either,
2: so you're dropping knowledge on me. Okay. Well, then I don't feel as bad not knowing that. Because as, long I had as, not that. As, as long as Tom Glavin has no more eligibility left and doesn't <laughs> show up tonight and uh, toe the rubber yeah, for Northeastern.
0: Yeah. Well, and Mike played in the MLB mm-hmm. in the Major
2: Leagues as well, yeah. so
0: I was like, wow.
2: Husker baseball tonight, hopefully. Everybody's worried about Arkansas. You can't worry about Arkansas until you take care of Northeastern. And Triangle tomorrow
0: as
3: well. mm
2: all right very good let's turn things over to bob Brogan. how are stocks performing
3: they are a little bit higher after a uh, lukewarm report on the job market raised uh, hopes that the federal that the federal reserve will keep the uh accelerated f- to the floor on its support for the economy also de- house democrats releasing a plan for spending uh, about a half a billion dollars actually 547 billion over the next five years
0: okay all that and more
1: the fnbo's fridays in the field is underway be listening for farm broadcasters all across the state of nebraska to feature different farmers as they work to grow this 2021 crop
4: hey it's clay Patton, and this year for fridays in the field we take a detour from row crops to talk with max creek winery and brewery about the grape and hops crop Be glad to have you tag along for this year's Fridays in the Field.
5: Join me this growing season in east-central Nebraska as I'll be following Ryan and Katie Pekarik of rural Butler County. Ryan and Katie, along with their five children, are busy all year round growing over 30 fruits and vegetables as part of their business, Pekarik's Produce.
1: In the panhandle, we'll be visiting with Jason Harriman of Scott's Club. He'll fill us in on his family's operation with corn and soybeans. And will find time to talk about the forages they raise for their cow-calf pairs in western Nebraska. Tune in every Friday afternoon and on our social media pages as well for the FNBO's Great Big Small Bank Fridays in the Field.
6: It is time for regional ag weather on this Friday. And hey, make sure you hit that button over there, okay? But... Oh, that button. You mean that button? <laughs>
0: Is it Friday or Monday? I have no idea. That is Paul Perkins joining us once again for a regional ag weather update brought to you by Holdridge Irrigation. You know, sometimes maybe I'm looking forward to the weekend already. I've already, you know, forgetting to hit buttons, and that's why you have dead air, and
6: we got it worked out. Um, Exactly, yep.
0: Paul, you and I were looking up north, and we are seeing not only summer like temperatures, but unusually warm temperatures in North Dakota and in the minnesota area
6: yeah western minnesota on into north dakota already seeing temperatures well into the nineties already to ninety seven in north central portions of north dakota right near the canadian border very unusual heat for them uh, for this time of the year and overall distant over very hot uh, temperatures that you just usually don't see ever in the dakotas and western minnesota and they're expected to continue to see this triple-digit heat over the next several days
0: so that area Not only is seeing these now summer-like temperatures and and rare temperatures in the upper 90s and likely going to see 100 before the day is over in some locations, but they also saw those brutal Arctic temperatures uh, several months ago. So there's in both both
6: worlds here and it was just a matter of a few weeks ago that they had some freezing temperatures that they True. did have a, a yeah. killing freeze with temperatures down into the upper 20s uh, they're very dry up there and that dry soil really lending to some uh, great variations in the temperatures now they're seeing it with the the extreme heat with this big high pressure ridge
0: back here locally in Nebraska, Kansas, uh, even eastern Colorado region, we're seeing temperatures mostly in the 80s, and that's really going to continue for the entire weekend.
6: Yeah, really starting to warm up. Uh, temperatures right now in the low to mid 80s, that humidity is starting to also st- uh, make its ugly, rear its ugly head. Uh, we're seeing some dew points in the upper 50s to around 60s, so you'll start to see that humidity build into the region. But once again, most of us in the low to mid 80s are in our current temperatures. For today through the weekend, we are looking at some sunny weather and temperatures about 10 degrees warmer than usual as a massive ridge of high pressure extends from the desert southwest on into the plains and of course it includes the northern plains where they're already seeing temperatures in northern North Dakota in the upper 90s and that high pressure ridge also extends into central Canada tomorrow and Sunday we'll see a low pressure trough strengthen over the high plains resulting in some breezy winds gusting up to 30 and also that humidity continuing to crank back up with those southerly winds. A weak front does approach from the northwest by Sunday night for a very iffy thunderstorm chance and that's a very slim chance there. Low pressure over the southern plains pushing a little to the north by Tuesday through Thursday. Could see some scattered thunderstorms with that system but right now that's far from a certainty. Temperatures will remain about 10 degrees warmer than normal for next week as that ridge high pressure keeps our weather mostly dry. The long term forecast continuing the warmer than normal temperatures for Nebraska, Kansas and the northern two thirds of the U.S. for Wednesday all the way through June 17. During that time in central Nebraska, our daytime highs, usually in the low 80s with average overnight lows in the upper 50s, below normal rainfall predicted Wednesday through the 17th for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the central and western U.S. Key weather factors influencing the markets include the heat, increasing to drought stress across the northern U.S., and consistently dry weather in central Brazil. On the plains, daily record highs yesterday included 99 in Minot, North Dakota, and 100 in Glasgow. Montana, today's high temperatures. Likely to exceed 100 in many parts of eastern Montana and the Dakotas. The northern plainside temperatures will continue to approach the triple digits into the weekend. Humidity also will be low, causing significant stress to developing crops in need of moisture. Any showers returning to the northern plains this weekend will be very isolated. Farther to the east, highs today will range from 85 in the Ohio Valley and the lower Great Lakes to near 100 in parts of the far upper Midwest. Near record highs in the northern Midwest could stress the vulnerability. Crops for the next few days. Next week in the Midwest, more widespread rain is forecasted with above normal temperatures helping to accelerate the crop growing progress. Central Brazil will see another week of mostly dry weather along with above normal temperatures, weather that will continue to stress and damage second crop corn. Southern Brazil will see a scattering of moderate to heavy rain this weekend through early next week, a benefit for reproductive to filling corn and developing wheat. Any rain moving north into central Brazil likely to. To be diminishing rain.
0: So certainly, these warm temperatures, uh, the humidity is going to help the crops grow this upcoming weekend. But uh, probably by early next week, we're going to be needing some precipitation.
6: And it looks like that rain—any th- rain that we do see about the mid part of the week—going to be very hit and miss. Maybe by Thursday, some of the long-term. Uh, Forecast by the National Weather Service indicating some lighter rain by Thursday into Friday. So hopefully a better chance of rain by the end of the week. But for the time being, it's a good thing we had those rains from the last couple of weeks True. because we're going to need to tap into those reserves.
0: suppose in a perfect world, you get a couple of good rain showers in your area, wherever you live. Once or twice a week, heats up, and you just repeat that every time.
6: But it looks like it's going to be a wait for those rain showers exactly. now.
0: And it's not a perfect world, so no. there you go. <laughs> uh, for a full weather weekend forecast, where can somebody find that? Weather page, krvn.com. All right,
2: thank you, Paul. Chad Moyer with you here on the Rural Radio Network. It is time for our weekly conversation with Nebraska's ag climatologist, Al Dutcher. Al, thanks for joining us again here today. And it looks like a little bit of a change in the weather pattern again, uh, getting warmer and uh, looks like a little drier. Give us kind of the preview. What are we looking at, Al?
7: Well, I think you're exactly right on that retrospect. We're finally going to see some of that warmth build into the central United States, uh, kind of be quite of a drastic change from what we experienced over the last two weeks for the most part with these well below normal temperatures. I think my my calculations, if you look at the last 14 days, even with these couple last few days of warm temperatures, we were averaging between four and six degrees below normal for the entirety of the state. And then the cooler below normal temperatures actually exist toward the more southern portions of the state. That being said, we're definitely under the influence of high pressure. Um, we will probably start to see the relative humidity levels slowly increase as we can goes by as we start to get more of a southerly component instead of a southwesterly the southerly component. So even though we'll be into the lower to mid-90s this weekend, as we go into late weekend early next week with the relative humidity levels coming up, we're probably going to see our high temperatures drop a couple degrees simply because of more moisture in the air. So it will be a little bit cooler, but it'll also feel a lot more uncomfortable the biggest issue will be whether or not we can generate any uh, thunderstorm, scattered thunderstorm development. And a lot of that's going to be re- reliant on how much moisture we can fetch up from the southern United States, particularly in that area of southern Texas, which has been inundated with this upper air has been basically parked over and dumping a lot of moisture. That's expected to move toward the east somewhat. And as it does, we should start to see some of that moisture being pulled or drawn up, at least into the eastern part of the high plains. And with a frontal boundary coming across the northern plains as we get into the earlier part of next week, we may induce some thunderstorm activity. And right now, the models are pointing at somewhere around the 6th or 7th for that to occur, although it doesn't look to be very robust. Anything that gets developed at this time of the year, if we've got a high moisture in the atmosphere, can generate a lot of moisture in a small pockets, but we don't expect widespread precipitation. Then as that system basically peters out as it moves toward the east, we get a return building of the warmth and a more uh, increase in the southerly flow as of upper air troughs stays parked over the western united states so it really becomes a matter of how much energy ejects out of those upper air troughs on a daily basis and where it actually lands. so there is energy forecasted for the central and southern plains to move out it just doesn't have a lot of lift. so once again we'll be dealing with really warm conditions chances of thunderstorm activity particularly during the late afternoon hours And during the overnight hours, particularly in the eastern part of the state, if we can get some low-level jet-moving moisture in the mid-layers of the atmosphere up from the south. Outside of that, we repeat the same process we go in the next weekend with a ridge building back up. So this looks like to be at least for the first 10 days of the month, much above normal temperatures, basically in the upper 80s to the lower 90s. Not much in the way of a relief outside of the daily convection and the most... Important period of that convection, at least from the model standpoint, and if we want to believe the models, they've been overplaying a lot of the moisture lately, would be from the 7th through about the 11th. And then we would have to wait until we get into the mid-month or later period before we see more energy coming in from the western United States. And I wouldn't trust the models one bit at this standpoint, simply because they're having a difficult time a week in advance, let alone two weeks in advance.
2: All right. As always, great information. Thanks for the insight, Nebraska Ag Climatologist Al Dutcher, and our weekly update here on the Rural Radio Network. Chad Moyer reporting.
0: It is time for midday sports. Jason Jorgensen is now joining us here in the studio, and. In- Big
2: night for Husker baseball coming up this evening. It is uh, Husker fever. Nebraska is second seed. They'll open up play against third-seeded Northeastern. It'll be the first ever meeting between the two programs. Kate Povich, who's been brilliant this year for the Huskers, he's six and one. He'll start for the Big Red, and head coach Will Bolt feels good about Nebraska's pitching going into this tournament. It's
4: the same confidence I've had in them all year. I mean, they've they've really um, they've pretty much the whole year we've seen our guys throw strikes. Uh, they've been on attack. They, you know, they they're not scared of the moment. They make some of their biggest pitches to get off the field when they have to, and that's that's part of, of being a good pitcher and a good pitching staff as a whole is how do you limit the damage.
2: Now, Arkansas, they're the number one overall seed in the tournament. They will play New Jersey Tech this afternoon at two. We will bring you the Nebraska game tonight on 880 KRVN. Hopefully they can get up to a good start and <laughs> win this thing.
0: Uh, that would be nice. Northeastern not going to be an easy team. I anticipate they'll win this game. Tomorrow will be a little tricky. I assume Arkansas
2: will probably win as well. And then uh, Sunday, uh, who knows? Yeah, who it. knows? The uh, 63rd Annual Nebraska Shrine Bowl is set for tomorrow night in Kearney. Kickoff between the North and the South is set for just after 6. Of course, we will bring you the game right here on 880 KRVN. 106.9 in corny incoming husker freshman bryce McGowan's was honored this morning as the south carolina gatorade player of the year with that honor he's now a finalist for the national boys basketball player of the year award McGowan's considered to be a five-star recruit six six hundred eighty pound guard averaged 22 points and five rebounds per game hopefully he is the real deal when he shows up in lincoln maybe
0: that's what it will be the
2: start of something listen
0: Somebody brought this up yesterday, and I think it's something to to point out. And this is on the cop topic of college basketball. Mike Shishefsky is retiring, and I'm not, no way inciting in that Nebraska is going to take over a big powerhouse. Blah 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 blah. But it might be better to recruit some of these players when you have a, a massive arena, a campus like UNL, where Duke is small, and you have a tiny arena type of thing. It just kind of popped to my mind as well, so. Just throwing that out
2: there. That's great, but the reason Nebraska got him is because his brother's well, no, I on get the roster. That. <laughs> and I get that, but if also if you're yes. winning, if you are a winning ball club, people will come. Absolutely. York native and former UNK basketball star Ty Danielson has a new coaching gig. He's been hired as an assistant at Fort Lewis College. After graduating from UNK, Danielson had spent the last three seasons as an assistant at Missouri Western. In tennis, Serena Williams recovered from a 4-1 deficit in the second set of a 6-4-6-4 win over fellow American Daniel Collins. That happened in the third round of the French Open. Williams is again chasing a record-tying 24th Grand Slam title.
0: It's uh, a a lot of trophy cases.
2: Yeah, but she'd love to have at least one more. Also, I think we need a a moment of silence. I hope you're okay here. (laughs) As uh, your boy, LeBron James, and the L.A. Lakers knocked out of the playoffs last night by the Phoenix Suns.
0: I'm okay with it because my (laughs) Nuggets, who also won last Mm -hmm. night, fun series, uh, played the winner of that game. and I'd rather play the Suns in in this case. I think there's a better chance. So. Not that I act like I'm
2: running the ball club for
0: the Nuggets, but for this instance, I'm glad that he lost.
2: Did Michael Jordan and the Bulls ever lose in the first round of the playoffs after a title?
0: Uh, That's sports. (laughs) you're right, though. All right, thank you very much.
8: Good job. Nebraska Game and Parks Commission says over the Memorial Day weekend, Game and Parks watercraft inspectors found two boats attempting to launch with zebra mussels attached. Each boat was inspected and not allowed to launch with viable zebra mussels. They did not identify where the boats were located. Watercraft inspectors will be present throughout the state this summer at various water bodies to prevent the spread of invasive species. Game and Parks regulations require anglers, hunters, and boaters conduct clean drain and dry procedures before leaving a water body. They also are not allowed to arrive at a new one with any water from another water body. Game and Parks' Christopher Starr says they need the public's help to prevent zebra mussel invasions in Nebraska waters. They also ask that people report any suspected observation of zebra mussels or other aquatic invasive species to Game and Parks. Police say one 17-year-old has died and a second one was injured Thursday in a shooting in North Omaha. Police say they were called to a home around 8 p.m., They found Jaquan Williams and Javondre McIntosh with gunshot injuries. Both the victims were taken to the Nebraska Medical Center where Williams died. McIntosh's injuries are considered life-threatening, and he's listed in critical condition. Police say they're still investigating. Anyone with information is urged to call Omaha Crime Stoppers anonymously at 402-444-7867 or at p3tips.com. Some lawmakers and children advocates are raising concerns about Nebraska's practice of seizing the Social Security payments to foster children to pay for their care. Nebraska officials defend their practice as legal, and the Omaha World-Herald reports that since 2009, the state has paid a Virginia firm to research which of the state's 4,000 foster children might be eligible for Social Security benefits and then go after them. The effort reaped about $2.7 million a year in the last three years, which is used to reimburse state expenses for foster care. State Senator Megan Hunt of Omaha has scheduled a study of the issue for the months before the next legislative session. Governor Ricketts held a 30-by-30 land grab town hall meeting in Norfolk Thursday afternoon. Ricketts says the proposal from the Biden administration involves land conservation.
9: It's a proposal to put 30% of our water here in the United States into permanent natural conservation by the year 2030. And that's the equivalent of adding, on top of what's already there, another nine states the size of Nebraska. So think about taking this, the land area the size of Nebraska nine times, and that's what the Biden administration wants to put into that conservation, that permanent natural state.
8: Ricketts says this would be devastating for small towns and rural communities where 97% of the land is privately owned, adding if this were to happen, everybody else's property taxes would skyrocket reporting for the rural radio network i'm ellen simmons
0: register at cornerstone bank franklin hildreth and the east bank in york heartland chevrolet and buick lexington and jm's cards and gifts Cozen. get
10: details at krvn.com governor pete ricketts is raising concerns about president biden's 30 by 30 proposal he talks with us more about the issue
9: Yes, when uh, President Biden was sworn in, he directed the Department of the Interior to come back with how to implement a 30 by 30 plan. And what that means is putting 30 percent of our lands and waters into permanent natural conservation by the year 2030, which, of course, is only nine years away. And that is particularly problematic for states like Nebraska, where 97 percent of the land is privately owned. So I led a group of 15 governors to send a letter to the president asking how he intends to actually do this, because he has no authority to carry out the 30 by 30 plan. Uh, we also warned that if the president pursued this, that we would be there to protect our private property rights and so forth. And um, what, we, what this really is going to boil down to is a 30 by 30 land grab. Uh, what the federal government is intending to do is use, uh, as the Department of Interior has said, all the tools in the tool, toolbox they have to restrict land. What they want to go from is about 12% of the U.S. land is in that permanent natural state, according to National Geographic. So that's about 289 million acres. And they want to go to 729 million acres, which means they have to add on about 440 million acres. That's a huge increase. And again, states like Nebraska, where are you going to get that from? And what we've learned is that it's going to happen in a variety of different ways. Things like permanent conservation easements or changing your CRP agreement. And this is actually one rancher I spoke with. Uh, they changed the CRP agreement to include that he has to protect the habitat of the swift fox. And he said, I've never even seen a swift fox. And when I asked USDA, what do I have to do to protect the habitat of the swift fox, they couldn't tell him. But this is the kind of uh, no-win situation for folks signing the CRP agreements. They really need to read the fine print um, to find out, what the u.s government is going to try and do because any place they can they're going to start pushing these environmental rules and really restricting things and ultimately what this all means is your property taxes are going to go up because if you take more land out of production and put it into conservation if the federal government owns it right they're going to pay taxes in lieu an average of two dollars and fifty cents an acre which is hardly even worth the effort and even for say natural or if you do a permanent conservation and you uh, take a land that's going to be valued at $2,000 an acre, and it comes down to, say, 500 or $750 an acre, which is the average for that, now you have uh, just cut the value of that property tax by over half, which means everybody else's property taxes are going up. So this is, this is going to be devastating for small towns and rural communities. How are they going to pay for roads and schools? Uh, it's going to mean people's property taxes are going up. It's an infringement upon our private property rights, and that's why I'm really out doing these town halls around the state to educate people around the dangers of this and how they can fight back.
10: Yeah, tell us a little bit more about uh, some of the upcoming town halls that are being planned.
9: Yeah, absolutely. So we did one in McCook uh, a couple weeks ago, and then then I'll be in Wahoo from 9.30 a.m. to 10.30 a.m. on Monday, June 7th, at the Saunders County Fairgrounds, their 4-H building at 635 East 1st Street. And then in Broken Bow, also on Monday, June 7th, from 1 to 2 p.m. at the One Box Convention Center there, 2750 South 27th Street. And then uh, on Thursday, June 8th, Tuesday, June 8th, rather, uh, in Alliance from 10 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time at the Knight Museum and Sandhills Center, and that's at 908 Yellowstone Ave. So we've got five of these town halls coming up. I encourage people to take the time to come out, hear more about what's going on with this 30 by 30 land grab. Uh, you know, Ag Secretary Vilsack said it's not a land grab. When the Ag Secretary says it's a land grab, not a land grab, you know it's a land grab. So people need to get educated about how this is going to happen in their communities because it's. You know, the, we tend to think again that this fight is something distant when it's in D.C., uh, you know, half a continent away. But we're actually the front line here in Nebraska now. This is going to be in our backyards, in our our small towns and rural communities in our counties that the Biden administration is going to be launching this assault on private property rights and driving up your property taxes. And so people need to get educated, understand how that's going to happen, and be on guard against it.
10: Well, tell us, what are you asking uh, citizens to do at these town halls? How should they be responding, or what can they do?
9: Well, one of the things is to be aware of how this is going to happen. So first thing, again, if you have, for example, CRP agreements, and you're re-upping those contracts, Read the fine print. Just like that rancher in Banner County, the USDA as or the federal government just in general may be adding an additional federal or type of of re, uh, environmental regulations so that further restricts your land or what what, what or first more burden on the landowner of what they have to do. So that's that's one thing. Uh permanent conservation easements are a bad thing. Uh they permanently restrict land. So Anybody who's thinking about a conservation easement, and I don't have a problem with an easement per se, I just think we should never do permanent ones because that all, that means that forever restricts that land. Somebody should always have the opportunity to go back and take a look at that. And again, that impacts that, those property valuations, I mean, everybody else's property taxes go up. Uh, counties have a role in this. Counties can pass resolutions to uh, be opposed to the 30 by 30 land grab and be on the lookout for how they can impact us with regard to their zoning um, zoning rules and what they put in place and what they approve. So all these folks, everywhere, everybody has a role to play here in being on the lookout for how this may impact us. Uh, it could be that land adjacent to, um, you know, uh, national parks or state parks or wildlife refuges uh, could be impacted by this. Uh, You know, so there's lots of different ways this could happen. So we really want people to be on the lookout for this so that they can uh, work locally to prevent this from happening.
10: Well, any other thoughts on the 30 by 30 governor?
9: Yeah, just uh, in general as well. I'm working at the national level. I've uh, organized uh, a group of 15 governors who we sent a letter to President Biden asking for more details about his plan, which he's not been forthcoming with. We reminded him he has no authority to implement a 30 by 30 plan. And also that we will be there if they try to expand their authority unlawfully, as President Obama
10: did, uh, under the waters of the U.S. Governor Pete Ricketts talking about the President Biden's 30 by 30 proposal and town hall meetings he's holding to help inform Nebraskans about it. I'm Dave Schroeder on the Rural Radio Network.
3: With the Business Report, I'm Bob Rogan. Stocks are pushing higher on Wall Street after a lukewarm report on the job market raised hopes the Federal Reserve will keep the accelerator floored on its support for the economy. U.S. employers added 559,000 jobs in May, according to the Labor Department. It's an improvement from April's sluggish gain, but it fell short of economists' forecasts. The report also showed that companies are still struggling to find enough workers as the economy rapidly recovers from the pandemic recession. House Democrats are releasing a plan for spending $547 billion over the next five years on road, mass transit and rail projects. It's a blueprint for what they want parts of President Joe Biden's broader infrastructure proposal to look like. The plan from Representative Peter DeFazio, chair of the House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, is a policy bill that continues existing programs set to expire plus key pieces of a larger measure Biden and Republicans are negotiating. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell says the U.S. Central Bank is studying how climate change might affect banks, but the Fed doesn't see itself as getting involved in how to fight climate change. Powell said the bank has a mandate from Congress to supervise banks and financial stability, so it's gathering data and studying how climate change might affect those topics but it will be the private sector and elected officials who decide climate policy. European Union and British regulators have opened dual antitrust investigations into whether Facebook distorts competition in the classified advertising market by using data to compete unfairly against rival services the coordinated effort represents an escalation by European regulators in their battle to rein in the dominance of big tech companies. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Irwin.
5: For this week's edition of Fridays in the Field, which is brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank. And this week, we are traveling to East Central Nebraska. We're near Dwight with Ryan Pekarik. He is the owner of Pekarik's Produce. Ryan, we're going to get to learn all about your operation throughout the growing season. So thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. So first of all, tell us a little bit more about your operation and what you guys do here.
11: Uh, we run Picarix Produce in Eastern Butler County. We have about 15 acres of vegetables planted outside. We'll start planting outside in late March and we'll stop planting outside vegetables in September. Um, we have uh, six greenhouses where we'll grow plants for the field and vegetables in ground that we'll harvest and go to markets and uh, wholesale outlets with.
5: And all of this happens throughout the entire year, actually 12 months out of the year. Walk me through that process.
11: So the year kind of starts in March. We'll start doing field work as early as we can, getting ground ready, fertilized, and beds ready to go. Uh, We start planting cool season crops in April and May. Uh, Right now out, we have things like radishes, peas, lettuce, spinach, carrots, beets. Uh, We're just starting into a strawberry season for the spring. And then eventually out of the cool season stuff, we'll transform over into cucumbers, peppers, melons, tomatoes, uh, harvesting sweet corn in July. And then at that same time period in July, we plant a lot of cool season crops again. Um, We store a lot of potatoes, uh, winter squashes, carrots and beets over the winter. So basically we'll have sales 52 weeks of the year.
5: Wow, that's a lot. So this time of year, (laughs) what do you guys focus on?
11: Uh, Right now is kind of production. We're not quite full on picking yet. We can handle most of the picking one or two days a week. Um, In another, say three weeks or something, we'll be into like zucchini and cucumbers and we'll pick on those five or six days a week depending on the weather. Um, We're doing a lot of weed control. We've got a couple small tractors. one from the 50s, one from the 2010s that we'll do cultivation with for weed control. Uh, We still use a lot of Christmas herbicide, which is ho, 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 um, to clean some things up. And then basically we'll run um, what I call farming, which is the growing side of it, and then pick, pack, and sell um, is the other side of it.
5: So that pick, pack, and sell side, you guys are in a lot of different places all year round. Tell me about where we can find Picard's produce.
11: Uh, In the summertime, we're at uh, two farmers markets in Lincoln on the weekend. Saturday, we're down in the Hay Market. We've been there for about 16 years, and this is our fourth year. We're doing the Sunday market in Lincoln. Um, We'll have both of those every weekend until mid-October. We're gonna pick the Seward Market up now that we're done with COVID and life's back to normal. We do retail off the farm. We're just kind of getting going with that as we get more crops coming out of the field. Uh, we have a vegetable subscription where people prepay, buy 18 boxes of produce. It's a one-time payment in the front of the season. And then we're into our fourth week of that, I believe. And that'll run until late September. One of the last things people get is a jack-o'-lantern pumpkin um, when we do that. And then by that late fall or when fall turns, um, say August, Then farmers markets start to slow down a little. We're still there, but there's other things on people's idea or on their time schedule. Um, So then we'll start in wholesaling to a couple schools. We'll go to uh, Omaha Public Schools and East Butler Public Schools is our local district. And then we have a wholesale company that will sell into restaurants, um, some more schools, uh, grocery stores in Lincoln and Omaha.
5: All right, all things to look forward to coming up. That again is Ryan Picard joining us. He's the owner of Picard's Produce near Dwight, Nebraska, for this week's edition of Fridays in the Field, brought to you by FNBO, the great big small bank.
4: Play Patton on the Rural Radio Network. Now let's catch up with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniel Zach Marketing in Chicago, publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. John, coming into Friday, despite the fact we didn't get out the greatest export numbers, it really looks like weather is in the driver's seat here. Sounds like you're maybe on the road checking on some things. What are you seeing weather-wise in your part of the Corn Belt?
12: Well, I uh, got on 80, drove to Ames. Things look fine. I mean, it's really early still. Tough to make a decision, but from right here you go northwest of there, uh, uh, really dry, and then you go straight east of Iowa into your country, then the talk is it's wet, and that's the that you hear from the farmers in other areas. So at this point in time, I think that, you know, the rain, uh, in the north-western part of the, world, uh, that would maybe calm the market down, but as we go into these weekends, it's almost like the market holds its breath, and I think that's where you see today, you know, strong closes into the, strong cover into the close, uh, the one that I'll note is, you know, I've been talking a lot about Minneapolis wheat pretty much close right at its double top. So you get a dry forecast over the weekend. I wouldn't be shocked to see some fireworks Sunday night in that market. And if you're a corn bull as I am, that's what I want to see.
4: So plenty of factors to be considering towards the positive end of it as well. Uh, now, as we kind of look forward going down the road, uh, we will get crop progress out on Monday. When USDA is recording that data this week, do you think it's been hot enough that we really see any change, or do we kind of have smooth sailing until we get a week or two into this hot hot and dry stuff?
12: I doubt they see much change. I mean, your, your guess is as good as mine on that. Maybe a small reduction just off of the extreme weather, of you know, wet weather-wise. But... At this point in time, I, I think the, the you know the reductions are certainly going to come June, late June, early July. Uh, but I think the market will discount it before it happens. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll watch the forecast and it'll begin to put it in. I think that's what you saw today. Uh, you know, long way to go. You know, early rains don't necessarily make the crop, as, you, as farmers told me over the weekend. They said, you know, it's better for the roots right away. So uh, it can change on, on a light second, but it's that? Ready to like a, a team on a winning streak. Once the streak, the streak has to start before it can get to a long-term streak, and, and we're kind of at the beginning of a streak here. So we'll uh, we'll see what happens Monday, and then you got Wazzy early next week, and then uh, we'll watch into the the report at the end of the month. So it should be exciting.
4: Plenty of things to consider that could be impacting your marketing plan. If you would like to work with John and his team at Daniels Ag Trading, check out DanielsAgMarketing.com. That's DanielsAgMarketing.com. While you're there, you can sign up for John's daily newsletter. He does provide it as a free service, includes a video channel with it where he explains what's going on in the market's trade. Do remember, though, trading future adoptions involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing. Again, learn more at DanielsAgMarketing.com. Catch John's podcast at Rural Radio network.com. Thank you very much, Clay.
0: That will wrap up this Friday edition of Midday. Catch the Midday podcast sponsored by DeBetty Motors, wherever podcasts are available, or krvn.com.